are seeking help. Father, we thank you available to you on every front whatever we have to go through we will be a light and bring you to the cross cry out for inspiration education and revelation to us Let's regroup the ones that are not there. And uh, does anybody need a pencil or a, pe a pen or anything? Uh, we can uh, help you with that because it's real, real good to maybe even just write yourself. we're going to try to go through this little pamphlet that uh, I created for us and in this setting and then we will try to look at some of the peripherals or the identity moments in this there is uh, there's just so many things that need the attention of the church and by that I'm talking about the body of Christ and uh, Brother Michael you might put First Peter uh, first chapter up I would like for us to look at a little bit of that and, and, and I won't have to scroll through it you can just maybe page by page uh, if you can put that up and I'm sorry I didn't call you and uh, ask you to do that I just 
I felt bad at waiting such a late date today to uh, to do that. But uh, you you could write on your paper somewhere there to look at First Peter one. I, I remind us and uh, uh, of the set settings in which we look at truths and look at particular doctrines because as your bone structure is so carefully the Bible said we are fearfully and wonderfully made and so you have bone structure that is symbolic of the doctrines of the church then you have the bloodline which is the life of the church and then you have the muscles and the sensitivity which has to do with the judgment and also the awareness of life and so when you're in pain you you know it and when you're enjoying life you know it and so a lot of people have moved into drug addictions or hate levels trying to rid themselves of uncomfortable settings of life but this book the word of God has a tremendous insight because in the beginning God created every muscle he created every brain cell and so when we get to parts of this lesson and these lessons upcoming we're going to start sensing ourselves being washed by the washing of the water by the word. We're going to have some sore spots of training muscles or thought patterns that maybe haven't been used in a while. Some of us know that. You get out and run a race after you hadn't worked out. You have sore days. And so all of those things are, are part of it. Everybody have a pamphlet? You need one? Uh, okay. Brother Mike, would you give Brother Matt one? Uh, we've got plenty, and, and I've got more up here. So, uh, matter of fact, I'll tell you what do, Brother uh, Coley, if you would keep these back here for anybody that might come in. And, yeah, and and uh, and if you will, just turn those back in uh, so there may be others that uh, come later. I would like for us to go through a little bit of this at, at the start, and then we will try to dig a little deeper as, uh, as we move through the evening. But this, uh, this first night, hopefully we can come to a place of, of real true uh, knowing what our questions are. And don't hesitate to write down a question. This, this would be a good few weeks that if you have a question uh, tonight or during the week, please feel free to note me on that, and I will try to work it into one of these sessions. But I thought we would start out tonight, and if you notice, the very front of your page is a path. And on the bottom of it, it says, where am I going to live when I get home? And, and that journey is summed up in the book of Revelation for sure. Some of the promises are summed up in earlier writings. So what I was about to say is that in First Peter, 
we are dealing with these writings that have to do with people that have been born again. They have been instructed in righteous principles. And uh, so the writer is talking in a very serious and uh, beautiful way. So let's go back to uh, our pamphlet, the first page, When I Grow Out of This World or This Body. What do I want my life to be? What do I do to make sure it is that? And then how comfortable could I possibly be if I miss the biggest moment in life? Because that is the exodus, the big moment in life. Now, there is a certain, the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But that doesn't mean you're to walk in fear. Fear is a true help. The fear of the Lord, in other words, I make sure that I am in line with him because I know his judgments are forever. I know that his ways are meaningful. And so it's not like, oh, well, that would be cool or that would be nice. No. It would be forever. So those are critical statements. And so we don't live in fear of that. We live in faith with that. And that's why the writer could so comfortably say we're saved by faith. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So enjoying the journey of life is knowing without a question. And you... You know, if you have any questions at, at some of these intervals, please feel free. But any questions you have, even though you may feel like that they're so simple that I ought not to ask it, but please feel free to write it down. If you don't want to say it, please, and we'll come back next week or the week after and uh, try to answer some of those questions. So I am my own boss. I am my own future. I am going to do with life, my life, what is in my heart. So that's why he says, cleanse your heart from all filthiness of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And those are solid scriptures. So nobody's going to stop me from being who I want to be or desire to be. So, Pastor Meyer, today and for the remainder of my life, I will find someone, something to pursue and become like them or it. We all pattern our life after some person or thing. In years gone by, the United Pentecostal Church took a strong stand against television because that heroism and the impact of TV was starting to draw people to other desires and even now, there is a there should be a strong discipline in your life, particularly with children, that what you turn on in the TV world, because you remember 90% of what you see and 60% of what you hear. So that's one of the reasons that Pastor Meyer uses a lot of graphics on the screen, because you truly do pick up from what you see. The Bible said the eye is the candle of the body. 
And so through the eye, things are designed and desire arises. So down and close to the end, I am sensing where I am today and I am looking at what changes can be made to be a best winner. Because the whole concept is they that run, the Bible Paul said, they that run, run all. And the race is not to the swiftest. The race is to those who run in Christ and live in Christ and win the personal battle. The race is not against others. The race is against the flesh. The works of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the race contesters. So I am looking at what changes can be made to be a best winner forever. And again, I don't mind you raising your hand at any point during this uh, session or other sessions. We are here to work together, and we're going to do the best we can. But with this having been said, I want you to pray a short prayer. And you can pray it out loud or you can pray it under your breath. But what you want God again to do with your life as we go through not only this six weeks particular, but these particular for right now. Let's, let's look at the second page, called, chosen, and faithful. He confesses that faithful is he that has called you. So that statement is really critical because the eye of the Lord roves to and fro over the face of the whole earth looking for a place to show himself strong. So when you partner that with the realization he is faithful and just to forgive us all of our sins, but he is also faithful to call us, come unto me, you that labor and are heavy laden, burdened down with situations on your job, burdened down with situations with your family, this is no time to give up on family, friends, or Jesus for sure. This is a time to do what the Scripture said, hold fast to your faith. That faith that drew you toward Jesus the first time. And then pray and seek God and study to show yourselves approved. So this called chosen and faithful produces holiness or transparency of the flesh when they see me they see him when they hear me they hear him 
our children particularly if you have grandchildren or children how you say and what you say in response to a setting and a need is critical to the building of their most holy faith and so as as we uh, as you know we all imitate our parents in some form my goodness I, I heard your dad just then when you talked some of you are still hearing that oh I remember when your dad did that and we remember all of that so we are living epistles and that's why these kind of settings are so wonderful that we just sort of spend time together so be ye steadfast unmovable does not mean no more changes it just means whenever I anchor myself in the word the devil and situations are not ripping that anchor out of my heart I will not tolerate being removed from the word by other things there will be difficulties come and they will be very demanding of us and, and if you don't mind why don't you slip up here and take it from the front we, we have sister Kylie taking some pictures and I would like for her to be able to get all of you that have come to try to help be in a position to strengthen our church family and our world at large and I can't thank you enough for devoting your time to this. For God boasts of not changing, and yet, when he says, I change not, he has changed more times than you probably have. He is the lily of the valley. He is the bright and morning star. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the wisdom of the wise. He is the mercy seat. He is the glory of God. So all of those things, when he said, I change not, it's a critical thing. You may want to write this down. He never stops changing to meet whatever need is available or necessary. He will in any way or form send an angel or a host of angels if necessary. It may only take one angel. There's places in the Bible one angel showed up. And that was all that was necessary. Then other places, several angels showed up. And that became necessary according to the weird spirits. So God, God boasts of change, not changing, and yet he manifests himself in many ways. So the Apostle Paul, who wrote more than half of the New Testament, tells us, follow me as I follow Christ. Today... We are thankful, and that's one of the reasons I try to tell you regularly. We're, we're not being trying to be Pentecostals. We're trying to be Christ. We use the platform of Pentecostalism because, again, as uh, large variety stores now, they, they house and market everything that you could possibly need for your garden to your stomach. It's amazing how these things are growing. It's not about us 
getting a great crowd. It's about us affecting the crowd. Jesus had 12 that followed him. He marketed this plan in 12 people. He knew that those people would affect the world. And eventually they did. But he fed 5,000 at one time. He fed 3,000 at one time. He affected huge crowds by his passing. And he had limited followers. It amazed me when several years ago, and I've cited this just within the last couple of months, but 500 people watched him fly out of here without any kind of equipment. And a fourth of them showed up on the day of Pentecost. So don't get down on yourself that you can't get everybody to come get in on this. They saw him take off. And only 25%. Well, guess what that matches? When you study the tares and the sowing and the seed, there was 25% of good ground. It's amazing how this synchronization of this Bible anchors our faith and our future and our commitment to do whatever we have to do to save our family, to raise the spiritual bar, whatever sacrifice we have to make it will be worth it all. I don't remember who wrote the song, but I have sung it for years. And I don't sing it to y'all because y'all would give miserable listening to me try to sing it. So think it not strange concerning the fiery trials. So this warning down here, this study is not to meant to be a shortcut to the glories of God. It is meant to be a time in which we reevaluate what we're trying to do with this great God and with our personal life. It's, it's a wonderful time for us to look at ourselves in the mirror, the Word, and sense the strength or the weakness. Never get down on yourself. Never. You still look like God at your worst. And you still can entertain God at your weakest. And you can still become partners with him no matter how far away you've been. Those are all biblical truths. And there's all kind of beautiful stories that bring all those to pass. So... You can become, on the third page, you can become all that you want to be, but just not always overnight or in a short time. And you will gain information that produces education and a desire to become the Christ-like. So in this, in this overall setting, what we want to do in this first course is to determine how committed we are and to what commitment we are going to renew in these other sessions after this. Because uh, we started off that talking about 
uh, I didn't identify First Corinthians 15, but uh, that's one of the areas you may want to reevaluate because that has to do with the finale and it has to do with the wonderful truths of God in that in that setting. So, uh, is there any questions at this point? Because I, I mean, we may be going to cover them, but please don't hesitate. This is a real slow evening that we're we're not trying to just stir it all up tonight. We're here to reevaluate, renew, and perhaps some educational virtues that that will help sustain us. Is there anything that that you already feel and if you do feel something in a few minutes please feel free to raise your hand or whatever faith without works is dead I can believe in God but not confess or live him in my life you got scores of people that believe he's out there somewhere believing in God is trusting God when you believe in your parents you trust them when you believe in your children, you trust them. The word belief has gotten down to a science of religion. If you say you believe, you're saved. That's not true. Faith without works is still dead. You're not saved by works. I have seen some of the greatest people that never had faith in God. I've told you about the gentleman that lived across the street good friend of mine years and years ago and so I don't mind talking about him because he's not he's no longer in the city but he was a devout atheist but I can tell you I would have trusted him to carry my wife anywhere he was a sharp guy he was a wise gentleman as far as in the world and he was just what we would call cool in this generation he tell you in a heartbeat he didn't believe in God. Even though he lived a clean life, I don't know that I ever caught him even in a boasting setting or a lie. But he didn't believe in God. He'd tell you that in a heartbeat. So we are living in a generation when you've got people that's got money, they've got education, they've got tons going for us for them. And that's an attraction to any of our children. It was an attraction to me because the Word of God is a phenomenal thing. But it's going to be good for some people. They never had much of this world because had they, they'd have begun to love it just like some of the people are now. They have fallen in love with the world and church and praying people through and, and, and fasting and seeking the will of God is not even on their agenda anymore. They just go to church to fill in a little time and uh, salute God and say, God, uh, sure do hope you come get me when it's time. And that's the reason we've moved into changing to overcome the last two years because those are the two market values that you can be secure about. Because if in you're not making changes, or the word is grow in grace and in knowledge, but if you're not making those changes, and 
adding to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance uh, brotherly love. Those, those are huge scriptures. Those are the advanced levels of living the Christ life. That's the reason if you just get one thought out of a prayer meeting, if you just get one thought out of a church service, if you just get one development of little extra strength of helping your brother, helping your sister, you've grown in grace. And so the command is grow in grace and in knowledge. And those are letters to the church. And so these meetings are to help us to look at this road on the front and say, where am I going to live forever? When we get to home, and home for us is the graveyard or the rapture. That's it. That's our destiny. As in Adam, all shall die. So those are things we don't want to be fearful of. That's why we want to take these special sessions and say, look, whatever I need to hear or whatever I need to evaluate, I am going to do what I need to do. So the book of James down in there says, I will show you my faith by my works. A kind word can heal a broken heart. When you see somebody dragging, the best thing to do is go to them. Not tell somebody, oh, so-and-so must really be going through hell. I think that we would do well if we see somebody going through something that we just start praying and call them up and tell them what they mean to you. Because if they mean enough for you or me to cause me to look at them and evaluate their life, they ought to mean enough to us that we take time and the share heartbeats with one another not you know do anything that would hinder so always seeing that picture on that front where am I going to live when this is over well you're pretty much going to live wherever you're living now great peace great joy great righteousness that's the kingdom life and so whatever I have to do, there's troubles that come that just move you away if you're not careful from prayer, from anchoring your soul to the Word. There, there are situations that, that come against us. And hopefully during these six sessions, we're going to share these kind of heartbeats and building up our most holy faith and our commitment God, whatever's happening out yonder, I've anchored my soul to the rock that will never change. The change is that he is willing to take his love, his wisdom, his mercy, and stretch it out to the farthest center, to the most distant, cold-hearted person. He is willing to change to Quit bothering people that harden their heart. 
such a heart. I don't want him to do that to me. So the scripture is harden not your heart as in the day of provocation. Because they reached a place where his voice meant nothing. And the voice of money, fame, esteem meant more than the blood. Is there any questions at this point? Anything that some of you would like to add? Because we've got some really learned people that have been through hell that are in this class tonight. And I don't want you to, for one minute to feel limited. So James 2 and 14 says, what doth it profit? Because if you've studied the Bible, you will sense that time when he said, that guy's unprofitable. Go ahead and throw him in hell. Now that's a little paraphrase. But when a guy becomes unprofitable and hardens his heart, God will actually begin to harden his heart further. I've told God over and again, whatever you do, whatever you have to do to keep me sensitive, don't spare the rod for me. Whatever you have to do, I wish we'd pray right now for our backslidden friends, brothers. Some of you know some people that that have been driven away by things. They're nice people. They're good people. Why don't we take just a couple of minutes and travail? God, in this class, we want to do everything we can while we're adjusting our vision tonight. While we're focusing on people as you did, the thing that drove you to the cross, the thing that drove you to bearing the shame of my life, I cry out, men and women in our city, every pastor. Oh, every mother is so brokenhearted. Hallelujah. This moment in the evening brings me to that scripture. Weep not for yourselves, but weep for your children. Weep for your family. Not weep in despair. Weep knowing that tears sown in prayer reach those seeds that are already out there. There's some people that know and they just need a little watering seed so in the was it the third or fourth page now chapter uh, I mean verse 15 if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food 
And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warm, be filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Again, I go back to that profitable servant. I go back to that moment. He was not profitable to me. And that's why we're having these slow down, particularly us men that are the head of the house. And I've tried to identify that to us recently because that means responsible. And so when we see weakness creeping into our world, our home, our, our own heart, we gird up the loins of our mind, the Bible says. That's when you reach out and you say, look, man, I'm not slipping down that hill. And I'm not going to cave way against that demon. And I'm not giving up because I've been disappointed. I am going to get hold of the brass ring and I'm going to hang on. And not only I'm going to hang on, I'm going to pull down from heaven what belongs to me. Victory belongs to his bride, his partner. So, verse 17, even so faith if it hath not works, is dead. So that's what the opportunity for us is going to be in the next few months. Work the work of Christ while it is day. For night cometh, when that darkness comes and the Antichrist has fulfilled his obligation to his role, it's going to be too late. And so we don't want it to catch up with us. We want to gird up the loins of our mind in meetings like this. And us men face off with this thing and say, look, Goliath, we may have nothing but a simple stone, and we may be a smaller group, but we know in whom we have believed. And we are persuaded not have a thought about it. We are confident of this one thing. He which began a good work in us is going to finish that. Just because there's been bad moments and just because we've all had weak moments doesn't mean we're out of the race. We are going to get up and do what the book said, gird up the loins of our mind. We're going to chastise our own flesh. Bible said, or Paul said, I beat my body under subjection. In other words, I look in the mirror and I see, in the mirror of the word, and I see that maybe I could have done something. Hello, sir, let me tell you something. I was thinking about you a month ago, and I didn't call you, but I'm calling you now because you mean anything to Jesus Christ. You mean it to me because I'm part of his body. They may not do any more for you than they did for him. But sometimes they can't hear the voice of mercy. And we have to be the physical voice of mercy, just as Christ, who was God and, and was in, invisible, but became visible so that people could sense that there was a form that looked like us, that had the view, the virtue that necessary for this to be victorious. So... Verse 20, but wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works 
when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar. And that's how close that it may get as we move to this thing. This, this scripture for it is this. Except a man hate mother, father, brother, sister, he cannot be my disciple. Well, man, when I was a young guy, that liked to have drove me mad until I understood all flesh has sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't care how much you enjoy them. You need to be a friend and help them. We have got to brother up with each other. And if you have a brother that that you see he's erring and getting distant, you reach out to him and you say, look, let's go get a bite to eat. That may be all it takes just to realize somebody cares about me. We have <laughs> one, one of my writers that I used to read after a lot. He said, you know, nowadays, I, I know we're not supposed to have clicks, but nowadays it would be more appropriate to say to our friends, how are you clicking? Because we have so many clicks. I'm going to encourage you to spread out a little bit and quit going to eat with the same ones that you always go to eat with. Let brotherly love continue is a virtue. That doesn't mean you abandon them. But if, at the worst, just invite them to join the three or four of us that have been getting together so they know we don't think we've got something going. Because it's easy for the enemy to get in on stuff like that. There are times when we need to rush away from the house of God. But brothers and sisters to come together, one of the greatest things is to shake one another's hand and let them sense. You can't shake everybody's hand every service. But what a development if all of a sudden you start changing from where you're seating and you sit by somebody you don't normally sit by. You say, Pastor, you know, this is not the kind of meeting I really wanted. Well, it may be the one we need. These classes on brotherly love and, and, and some of the things that we're going to be working with, and we've only got about three more minutes, so uh, we've got to get on with it. Let's Let's move on. I think you caught the gist of that. The last page, likewise, also was not Rahab, the harlot, justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body with the, without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So let, let's go ahead and read down to the last here let's just Galatians the sixth chapter and here's sort of where I was already at anyhow bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ for if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing he deceiveth himself 
but let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. In other words, what he's saying is you'll be able to rejoice with just fervent joy because, you know, you did what he did at Calvary. You gave something. People may not have appreciated it. They may not have enjoyed it. But he overcame his own flesh because it didn't feel good to give his life. It didn't feel good to give his time to people that he knew were just about to abandon him. I can't imagine what it felt like ascending and knowing that three-fourths of the crowd didn't even care that you had done everything possible and then you didn't show up because he kept looking at them. He didn't lose his eyeballs because of that. And so, verse 6, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth. That shall he also reap. So, what we're going to move into as after this will be some more things that will help to elevate our life in the city, in our home, and before God. And so I think we're going to really enjoy what God's got going here. And uh, are there any uh, questions before we uh, stop the session? Maybe maybe some of you guys that have been around, you got some young people that look up to you. Maybe you've got a couple of words of admonition. We'll take a minute for that. Maybe you've got something to say that would help promote what we're talking about tonight. There's some fabulous people here tonight that were need. You probably didn't have to come tonight, but because you love this thing and you love the kingdom, you came anyhow, and I can't appreciate you enough for that uh, because it means something to people that are really just not very far along in the thing. So is there any statement that any of you would like to add? Brother Jerry. and about the children's church that we had a few weeks ago. One of the, I came two whole nights and part of another night. and That's the most parents I've ever seen, I believe, in our church. But the thought that the Lord gave me was that these kids, all of our kids, they probably can't remember, I bet you one out of ten can't remember what they got for Christmas three years two years ago, even probably this past Christmas, they probably don't forget what they got. But what they do remember is events like that that they'll stay with them for their life. And the big thought that came to my mind was what parents do for their children in time, not gifts, toys, stuff. It's what they do. And it's sort of that way with us, even as brothers and sisters. The time we spend is what we remember. I couldn't tell you hardly anything 
some messages I can, but most of them I can't. But I can tell you, you know, probably a bunch of the events that us as a group have done over the years. I can tell you this. Because it was time spent with each other. I'm telling you, there were families that never had come to this church that had been wanting to come. And the comments and the applause was absolutely phenomenal from them. And even one of the grandparents found out about it and connected with me and told me how that, that had risen up through the lineage of the family tree. 